The Mighty Whites podcast is recorded at the Medicine Room Studios. For more information, visit medicineroomstudios.com. Welcome to episode 89 of the Mike White's podcast. As always, I'm Jack, joined by Casey. Hello. Uh, and we're here basically, for the most part, talking about the Arsenal game. Uh, it's not very often that we'll play against someone, a team like Arsenal and come away that disappointed with a draw, but I was really pissed off by the end of it. Yeah, I think by the time we hit the woodwork for the second time, I think, I think we all kind of had an inkling at that point that we weren't going to come away with three points. Yeah, it was a real disappointment. Like, obviously, this was a game that going into it, absolutely take a point. But it wasn't just like, oh, we we maybe edged that game, we could have got more. I thought that pretty much throughout, we absolutely dominated it. The, uh, the way that we played was such a massive improvement compared to the Leicester game and the Palace game. Palace especially. Even though Palace, we were we didn't deserve to lose by as much as we did, but I thought this was a massive step up. Yeah, I, I'm guessing more down to the unavailable uh, unavailability of players, if if that is a word. That um, we really didn't play with a number ten in this one, and we sort of went with the the click Dallas pairing in midfield, which is I think this has actually been one of the better games that they've had together in midfield. Oh yeah, definitely. Like uh, I, f- I think that. Well, actually, I'll just I'll put this up now because uh, I was going to bring this up later. I think that we picked Dallas because we were expecting them to be in a three-four-three, and we wanted to have the option to go into our three-three-one-three. Even though three against a three-four-three, we'd probably end up sort of de facto four-four-two. So I was surprised in a way, but I think that's the reason for picking the side he did, uh, and I think. Dallas had one of his one of his better games in central midfield in this game. He uh, he still had a couple too many long shots, and he isn't the most creative in the world. But I thought he was pretty good, and I thought Alioski did well at left back as well. Yeah, it's becoming a fun little game now to see what formation the TV will give us for matches, and then seeing what formation we end up actually playing. Because uh, I do believe Sky had us down with the with the three three one three. For this one, which uh, well, uh, at least going, that was the thing when the lineup came out, and it wasn't just me, there was a, a few. We are everyone was looking at it going, Well, there's about five different formations that are possible there, and every single one of them, there's the option of about four different configurations of it. Yeah, I was kind of looking at it at first, and especially once they just announced the team, it sort of looked like it was going to be Alioski left wing, Harrison right wing. And maybe Rafinha in the middle at, at ten or something like that. But um, no, so he stuck with Rafinha on the wing for his first start, and I, I thought he looked good throughout yeah, Yeah, I was impressed with Rafinha. I was uh, in the match preview. But I wrote on throw it all together, throw it all together at SBNation.com. Uh, I said that I wanted Rafinha to start, but I didn't think it was going to happen. So it was a pleasant surprise to me that he did. I. Uh, I say, I, most of the rest of it you can ignore because I assumed Arsenal were going to play 3 4 3 and they didn't. Uh, but the, uh, the Rafinha pr- performance was really promising, and I think it's a little. I don't think Helder Costa's done it wrong, but of the options we've got at the minute, I think Rafinha and Harrison would be the two. Yeah, I think so. And then, yeah, like I said, no, no 10, so you've got click just roaming forward a bit more often, but. I, I I I think I said to in the group chat at half time when we were talking about I, th- I think if Rodrigo would have been on you probably would have got a goal in that first half but I do think having Click and Dallas in there gave us a lot more control in midfield and I think having if you'd have one of those two coming off at half time my concern was that it would have given Arsenal a bit more space to play and it could have given them a bit of a foothold back in the game. Yeah, I uh, so I thought that they all did well. It it was good to see Rodrigo get on when he did. Obviously, we'll come on to him more in the, when we get into the second half. Uh, 
But I thought throughout this first half, we were pretty good. I mean, we created some decent chances. Bamford had that. The good play between Harrison and Alioski down the left that got him it. Alioski to byline. Decent chance for Bamford, saved well. Bamford also had that snapshot, like sort of half volley that Leno saved well. Click had a decent chance. Dallas probably had the best chance of the half at the far post that he dragged wide. And the annoying thing with that one is I think he had time to take a touch and he didn't because it would have been a much easier chance if he did. But in the first half, like, did Arsenal have any... They only went close once and it was that Pepe cross that he mishit and it hit the bar. Yeah. Um, realistically, first half, neither keeper had to do a whole lot. You know, it, it was one of those where there was there was yeah. plenty of shots, but not a lot that was troubling either side. No, that the save from that from the Bamford light half volley was a pretty decent save. The one with the other chance was quite simple. I uh, I thought that we were really good in this first half, a bit like in the FA Cup game last season. You know, we just came out and just seemed to have too much fun, which with the pl- with the players on paper should never really happen. But it is the way it was. I thought that we looked. As much as I think that Strauch has been better than he's got credit for from a lot of people covering for Phillips, we did look so much more solid having Phillips back. Yeah. How uh, how do you think we coped without having main man Robbie Gotts against them this time? Yeah, that's true. We did well to cope without Gotts this time. Um, <laughs> your boy. Uh, yeah. Although it sounds like he's been doing all right at Lincoln so far. Um, yeah. Obviously, first half, played well, nil-nil at half-time, and you thought, right, more of the same will do. But then sec- early in the second half, the pattern of play completely changes. Uh, Pepe gets sent off. For- now, admittedly, there's a lot- there's been a lot of criticism from non-Leeds fans for Alioski on this because of how easy he went down. And he did go down really easy. But what what else is he going to do in football now? You're not just going to stand up when, as, as shit a headbutt as it was and as much as it didn't hurt, and as much as I'd feel a bit of shame in myself if I went down for that, I think if I was playing in professional football, you'd have to. Like, yeah. Because as, as, they can have a go at Alioski as much as they want. It's Pepe's fault. Yeah, and no, it, it was the... If you go back to the Wolves game, when I'm trying to remember who it was now, had a, a kick out in that and it went to VAR and if you remember VAR did nothing about it wasn't it was it Jimenez I think it was I, I thought it might have been Jimenez because well, I think because I think Jimenez was the villain of the piece because obviously he scored the deflected goal he had that and he injured Phillips yeah um, so when you see something like that that doesn't get given when it should be then the only thing you're going to think is well if someone's doing this then if he's going to get rightly sent off for it, I've kind of got to be a bit theatrical about it. And is is it a nice part of the game? No, obviously not. Like it's not it's not what you want to see. But the, the argument at the end of the day is if Pepe doesn't do that, he he stays on the pitch for not well not for ninety minutes. I feel he might probably might get subbed at some point. But well, he definitely got subbed. Like yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was it was a stupid decision. None of us know what's been said between the two of them. Clearly but just t- two players having to go at each other, trying to wind each other up. And You would have to assume that there's nothing major said because it had come out by now. If, it, if I mean, I don't think for a second he would, but if, like, say, he'd nutted Kiko Casilla, for instance. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, if, if it was something major like that, we'd heard now. Because, like, that's why, when Tierney was going mental at the end of the game, I put on Twitter I'm not going to have a go at Tierney for being so ridiculous right now because I don't know what's been said to wind him up but because nothing's been said I have to assume he was just overreacting and being a bit of a dick uh, I, I liked it because <laughs> it was it was like a drunk person trying to get back into a nightclub I was like no no I'm, I'm okay I just I just want to have a chat with the bouncer it's fine <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to push it I just, I just want to go have a conversation that is exactly what it was like and obviously I mean I know he's Scottish but I'm fairly sure he's Glaswegian as well so it was sounded aggressive no matter what (laughs) (laughs) I won't Um, won't do an accent don't worry no because that that will only go badly Uh, the thing is though with the sending off I honestly don't think it helped us no because Arsenal just went into like a low block defended the box well and 
Although I think we did have better chances after the red card than we did before. Arsenal did too. And I say that as in they had one really good one. But they had a couple of breaks that could have been dangerous. There was a couple of like late interceptions. One, there was one from Cooper where he, luckily the pass was bad and Cooper stepped out and took it. But Arsenal had like four on two if they got the pass right. So like Leeds pushing forward, if anything, helped Arsenal. They seemed to, uh, they switched into, it was almost more like the formation I expected them to start with. You know, they had three up top properly instead of the 3-1. And oh, just sat just, back but used the pace on the break. And it really, it was more dangerous to us. Yeah, like you say, very, very well organised once they'd gone down to 10 and then obviously just looking to pick stuff off and get it to... Saka, get it to Bamiyan, get it to Reese Nelson and and try and get something. And, and like I say, I think probably the best breakaway ended up in that one where was it Saka went through and yeah, I thought, really, we all thought Melier had gone a bit early. No, it, it was a really good through ball from Bellerin that actually, but he intercepted well and broke out of midfield in, mm. in that way that Ailing does quite well, where he sort of goes infield while he goes forward. Yeah. Uh, but that was a really good through ball, but that was great goalkeeping from Melier. Uh, because even though he did go down to one knee, he never actually went down and he managed to keep his momentum going across. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was actually on about this earlier today. One of the problems that Leeds had in the Championship for a long time with, I mean, not with Viedvald, because Viedvald was just terrible, but Peacock, Fallow and Casilla would quite often have nothing to do for like 75 minutes. And then the moment you need them, they'd make a bollocks of it. Mm. So this was really good to see from Melier because he had nothing to do for 80 minutes. And then he had one save to make and he made it. Yeah. And it was it was really, really good to see we needed something like that. Do you uh do you think we left it too late to bring Rodrigo on? I would have done it a bit earlier, I think, but my predilection would always be to bring him on. Like I might have brought him on at half time, even though we'd been brilliant in the first half and there was no way you should make changes. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh but I you know, I don't know how fit he necessarily is after having COVID and stuff. I know he, he was apparently asymptomatic and stuff, but you know, you never, you never know. So I, I was, I was fine with him leaving it as long as we did, and I thought he looked really dangerous when he came on. We might as well get into the really annoying chances now. Uh, obviously, Rodrigo curled one just over, but then the next one that smacked the bar, like it was pretty much on the angle that it cut inside, curling it to the far corner, and. Uh, I thought that that as soon it was one of them. As soon as he hit it, I thought it was in. It was quite funny as well because you had Gary Neville on talking about that threat of him cutting in from the left hand, uh, from the right hand side, and having a having a shot. Um, and then Martin Tyler reminded us that he would have known that from his time managing Valencia, and Gary Neville didn't say anything. No, because uh, what's he going to say? <laughs> that went really badly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, he did it. Did it twice fairly quickly. Um, it was yeah. The, once he hit, hit that shot, that hit the bar, you, you just knew it wasn't going to happen. Like in 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 the it just been complete. I did think he actually he did have a few sloppy touches as well. Like when he came on and stuff, it did take him a little while. But I just think he stands out a mile. He's he's the, he's the player that looks like he should be playing for. He's the one that when I, when I watch the team, he's the player that I think. You should be playing in the Champions League here. Yeah, like he just. I think we've got lots of players, lots of good players that I like, but Rodrigo stands out. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a reason. I don't know. They've dropped off in the last few years, but not greatly. But there's a reason why he's Spain's striker. Hmm. You know, he's a very very good player. Hmm. Not that he'll be getting back in the team after that six 0 win against you. Well, (laughs) no. I, d- I didn't watch the game, but I assume when you come up against a team that's got Fernando Torres, Xavi and Iniesta, it's it's going to be hard for him to get back in that team. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. um, they must still be in the team, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I assume that Xavi and Iniesta can just operate in a 15-yard radius and just yeah, ping balls just, around. They'll be yeah, fine. Just, yeah, and just and Danny Guiford come off the bench. Yeah, <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, he is absolutely fantastic. And, and as I said last time, I think when you you took him 
at the team for the last two games with him being unavailable. Yeah, of course we missed him. You know, I don't think we have another player, and I include Pablo in this, who, who is that level. Yeah, like Hernandez technically, technically is as good, like on the ball, but he isn't as quick as him in, anymore. He isn't. It's, it's just not the same as he was, as good as he is. Because, uh, um, I mean, he was again missing through injury was Hernandez, uh, Shackleton as well. Uh, which is a shame for them. They wouldn't have been in the side, but they'd have probably been on the bench or something. Uh, then the other two times we the post, the, the most unlucky one for me was the Bamford header. Because uh, he's done everything right with that. It's a good cross, gets up well, heads it down for the corner, and it's six inches away from being perfect. Yeah, so I saw quite a few people having a go at him for this, and I, I don't know what more he can do, to be honest. I, you know, it in that case it's one of those where you just have to say it's fine margins I thought yeah, you I, know Bamford's I, not one you expect to win many headers either so I thought he did well to get up and win that he's quite good in the air he doesn't out jump defenders very often but his movement between defenders is pretty yeah. good especially this season it seems better this season I don't know if it's I don't know if it's something he's worked on or if it's just because he's not up against as many just sit deep defences maybe there's a bit more room for him to work mm. But his runs between defenders for have always been good, but they seem better from wide this time. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I suppose as well. You, you're probably not coming up against as many shit house defenders, are you? As as you are sort of lower championship. Yeah, I suppose there was there was some shades of championship games with this. To be honest, with just with the way it ended up, but Te- when, team sits when, back, leads <laughs> cut, leads don't know what to do. But once, once, if you are going to have a game like that where you're dominant and you can't get the goal, it feels better when it's Arsenal than when it's against Wigan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is very true. Yeah, like uh, obviously the last chance was Rafinha right at the end, uh, hit a shot against the near post. It was a bit of a skewed shot. He wasn't particularly comfortable over it, but he caught it quite well in the end, and that was really unlucky. Both of those last two chances came from uh, Ian Pervader doing well down the right. Uh, who I, and I thought he had a really good game when he came on. Yeah, he's. I, I think the best word I, I've I can kind of think of to describe him at the moment is he's an absolute nuisance for fullbacks because he's just this nippy little winger that's it's got a bit of pace about him. We'll just move around the line as well at times, and I think especially when there was play going down our left, he just straight into into the middle of their defense and then just kind of have a bit of a wander around and. Yeah, he's one of those who you get a lot with the younger players, playing with absolutely no fear. Um, you know, it has its drawbacks in as much as he's prone to trying to take an extra touch or trying to do something a little bit fancier than is needed. But it's also the sort of play that could sort of create you something out of nothing with him. Yeah, you mentioned coming inside, actually. That's one of the things I was going to mention with Rafinha, but I forgot to. Uh, he he seems really co- obviously he had those couple of long shots and stuff that were decent efforts. Particularly the the second one he had. The first one went miles high and wide, but the because he like slipped when he hit it. But the second one that he hit first time when it got played inside to him, that was a really good effort. But he seemed to he seemed way more comfortable coming inside than Costa does. And Costa doesn't mind it, but he seemed really intent to do it. And I think that's why Bielsa mentioned long term he might see him playing as a central player. Because he seems naturally quite to like it coming in field. And I like that as well, because if you're going to play man-to-man all over, the more you can move about and the more difficult you can make it, the better. Yeah, and I think that's one of the areas we are still lacking at the moment is probably goals from our attacking midfielders. Um, You know, I think last season, obviously you got Bamford leading the way, and then after that you've, would it be Jack Harrison, I think, was next? Uh, the, the, by the end of the season, it might have been Hernandez because he did get a few late. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it'd be quite nice to have one of your attacking midfielders who could maybe get to, to 10 in a season and and playing like that and with the intent he was playing with to try and get shots away. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise you if he started getting a few goals from there. Yeah, you'd definitely fancy him to score a few based on where he's going. Uh, the... the um, the other thing that I was going to talk about was at the end, I'd just bring it up because I saw a lot of this on Twitter and it was basically stoked by Gary Neville. 
uh, Robin Cock was bringing the ball out quite a lot. And he did, he, he got his first, I think he got his first three attempts at like a decent length pass wrong. But by the end of the game, I thought he'd got his eye in. He, he messed one up at the end as well, which I think because it was the first and the last, it sticks with you. Hmm. But there was a lot of criticism of his passing and saying, oh, look at him, he's bringing ball out, but he's doing not weird. But like, I think by the end, he'd created three chances, which was as many as anyone on the pitch. And I, I thought that he had a... I don't think Cooper and Cock had particularly great games defensively because they didn't need to. But I thought yeah. bringing the ball out, I thought Cock was really good. And it was noticeable that Phillips deliberately dropped deep and Cock went on. So I wonder if they really fancied Cock's passing range. And I wonder if it's got something to do with the... Pa- not the obviously, not the 6-0 game because they got battered by Spain. But against Ukraine, the game before, Germany played him in midfield and by all accounts, he had a really good game. So I wonder if that's something that they're looking at, thinking, right, they know, every team knows Mark Phillips. It's, it makes it difficult for him to pass the ball out. And mm. I wonder if Phillips is just going to go, all right, then I'll just stand here and let him do it and I'll drop back and cover. Yeah. It was interesting. I sort of likened it to... I think it was like it was one of Warnock's first games, if you remember when we played Southampton and we had that frenetic twenty minute period when it just ended up with Clayton just chipping balls into the box to to hope that someone would get on the end of one. Mm. And that that's sort of what it reminded me of towards the end with Cock. Like I, did, I mean, I don't blame him for trying it because it's in his locker, it's clearly there. Yeah, he has that ability to play those passes. Um and it just it gives you a different dimension as well to play from there as opposed to just relying on the wingers. And, and I think in this game, there's not that many times in the second half I can remember us actually putting, you know, getting to the byline and putting crosses in. You know, a lot of, the, a lot of our play did seem to come from central area. So, uh, you know, I think it was a completely valid way to, to try and play someone in. Yeah, um, so I've just no- I've just noticed this strange sightseeing leads with so many great wide attacking options. It is nice, isn't it, to have those options? We talked about at one point. You know, we had like Cameron Stewart, Jimmy Kebe. No, that was it. Yeah, that was it. It was those two. <laughs> but no, it is well. Uh, that same account also asked does cost does Costa get back in the side? Uh, no, for me, no. <laughs> Uh, he's a, I mean, he's a good player, his Costa. I'm happy with him as an option on the bench. Uh, we'll come on to the under-23s game. He scored the winner in that game, and it was an absolutely brilliant goal. But I don't see how he gets in the side. We've also had a comment saying that we don't look anything like they imagined while listening on SoundCloud. Yeah, I know, we look much, much worse. <laughs> and if you think, well, at least you can have a shave and tidy yourself up, it doesn't help, trust me. <laughs> no, you, you'll just see that I have a lot more chins than than appears now. Yeah, well, I believe the line is: I know a beard designed to hide a double chin. When I've seen it, I've read that <laughs> book. In fact, I wrote that book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad we didn't start doing this like the first three weeks into the initial lockdown when I first started growing this beard. That that would have been worse. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have been well, on the no. register somewhere. <laughs> that would not have been a pretty sight. It's a very good job I'm not doing Movember. Still would be. Yeah. Um, in the end, this is the XG that I found from InfoGoal, which is the harshest on leads of all the ones I've seen across different models. A lot of them had us higher than that and Arsenal a bit lower. Uh, the reason I've put this up, it, obviously Leeds fan, you know, champions of XG, you'll never sing that and all of that stuff. We know that Leeds do this. But... Because we've had two such bad results, I'm actually taking quite a lot of comfort from this. Whereas in the championship, I'd have been fuming because, oh, mm. it's happened again. We just can't take his chances. Blah, blah, blah. This just made me think, oh, we played well. If we play like that rest of the season, we'll be fine. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. So of, of all our chances, the, there's nothing I can really think of that fell to anyone's feet inside the penalty area, certainly within 12 yards. There was there was a couple. The first Bamford one, both Bamford ones were like that, but one of them was a bit of an awkward ball. Hmm. And the other one was quite close range to him and on his weak foot. The click chance in the second half that fell on his left foot and he just leaned back and ballooned it on at bar. The, the click chance. I mean, click twice. They were both left foot and he skied them yeah. both, didn't he? Yeah, 
I mean, I think he even said on Twitter the next day the uh, the left foot was out of order yesterday. Yeah, like th- those were real chances, and uh, I mean, we had pl- we had lots of decent chances, but I wouldn't say we had a. There's no absolute guilt edge. You have to score a chance that we missed. Yeah. Uh, like I would argue that I think Saka's chance probably was the clearest chance of the game. Yeah. But I'd rather have our eight pretty good chances than their one great chance. Like, yeah. If if you play that game again, exactly the same, we probably win it. I, was, I thought you were going to say we probably end up losing one 0 Yeah, no, that's true. That's <laughs> true. Uh, the the one question I had for you was uh, who, was, who ended up with our man at match? Oh, that's a good one. That I actually hadn't given that one any thought. Well, get thinking, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought I thought first half. You know, it's probably going to be Rafinha. I, I I don't think there's huge amounts in it between about four or five of them. To be honest, yeah, I think I think there's quite a few who played strong seven, eight out of tens. Um, but I thought. Rafinha looked pretty threatening whenever he got on the ball. Ah, cool. Yeah, I um. Well, obviously you can read mine because I did a ratings article and stuff on for it altogether. But I ended up giving it to click. I thought first half especially, every good thing that we did went through him. I thought that he was. I just thought he was really good throughout the game. His finishing wasn't, but other than that, he was really good. So I ended up giving it him. But I I agree with you in that. Like I don't think I had anyone that was below a six and a half and clicked on mm. that match with an eight. It was like, they were all pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw any of it, but the uh, 23s played yesterday. Did you see any again? I did not. Ah. Uh, oh, I, I was I was having a midlife crisis and eating a double Big Mac. Ah, fair. I, I think it's optimistic that you think 30 is midlife for you because I think you've only got I think you've only got 15 left to be honest <laughs> two thirds of the way there am I yeah um, it was a pretty decent game I uh, this one I didn't write but Kevin Kevin O'Hare wrote a recap of it and everything but the uh, this game was a bit weird like Leeds were the better side throughout West Brom went 1-0 up through just like a really poor goal it was like a really crap free kick that didn't go anywhere. And Rodrigo went to head it away and just looped it in behind his own defence. Easy finish. Uh, Casilla came out for it and then went back. Uh, no. Leeds did yeah. yeah, I know, the one thing he had to do. Uh, Leeds did pick quite a strong team. It was a bit confused, actually, because the game was meant to kick off at half one and then got delayed by half an hour. And like the lineup changed. Without yeah, it being I, announced, I only saw the I only saw the original starting lineup, um, and the other because the other thing I found out was that they listed Rodrigo as Moreno on it. Yeah, <laughs> um, despite calling him Rodrigo in every other comment on it. Um, yeah, so yeah, it looked like a fairly strong team initially. Yeah, it was a pretty strong team. To be honest, Leeds, even though they're one 0 down at half time, they did they did play all right. They were the better side throughout. Uh, I thought, the one to mention, I thought Bobby Camwell looked really lively. Uh, he was playing off the right for a lot of it. And Sam Greenwood played. In, Sam Greenwood, who for me, was the most out-and-out striker we have in the under-23s now that Ryan Edmondson's gone out on low. He's like the one that I thought, out-and-out striker, he's definitely staying forward. And he played as like the most advanced number eight in the midfield mm. and looked pretty good. He's incredibly two-footed. Like he's so too you you would struggle to tell which foot he is, which is a very good trait for a striker because it helps a lot with finishing. Uh, but the the goals for Leeds uh, come back in like the last fifteen minutes. Uh, Tyler Roberts got one off the bench. He was pretty good when he came on as well. Uh, he got ball into his feet box. It was quite crowded and like toe up finish down into the bottom corner which I think it was quite a clever topo. It was one of them where the only gap he had was low and like that. And it was a good finish. And Helder Costa's goal was fantastic. Uh, picked the ball up on the edge of a box, beat four players, dribbled into the box, put it in far corner. It was a really good goal. Yeah. 
uh, I've advised going on. It'll be on there. It'll be on Leeds' YouTube channel and stuff, and on Twitter the highlights of the game. And I'd advise what it's a great goal. Uh, speaking of twenty threes, a couple of people involved have signed new contracts. Uh, Charlie Cresswell, who uh, I'm pleased to see signed a new deal summer of 2023. It's good to see him get improved terms. Obviously, he made his first team debut in League Cup against Hull. Uh, he's been pretty good throughout in the 23s. He's not the finished article. There's still a few mistakes, but he seems a Bielsa type of defender now. Obviously, I don't know if he always has been, but he's been playing that way for the last few years and he seems to have got used to it. Comfortable bringing the ball out, good on the ball, good passing. Uh, seems decent in the air as well. Quite confident as well. He took penalties for under-18s, which is a good sign. Been captain yeah. in the 23s, despite... His, I think he might have just turned 18 now. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad to see him get a new deal. Yeah, it's it's all, again, it's always nice to see some of the younger players being tied down to these, to these longer deals. Um, you know, at his age, he could feasibly be here another three years before he... You know, makes a Premier League appearance, and to be honest, I'd be fine with that. You know, if he if he gets another year or two in with the twenty threes, and then maybe get him out on loan to get some first team experience, it'd be you know, it'd be good. Yeah, if it, pardon me, if he isn't making the step up at the start of next season, which I wouldn't expect him to, I think that'd be too soon. I mm. would quite like to see him go out on loan next season. Uh, I I'm. As much as it gets them playing in the Bielsa way, and I, I enjoy watching the 23s, I do think that once you've got to the top of the 23s level, there's very little benefit to still playing there. Yeah. I think once you get to that, you need to go out. It's the same reason why, if we're not going to play him, I'd send Joe Gellar out on 1st of January. Because he's too good to be playing in 23s. And he'd, mm. he'd benefit a lot more. Like, see, see if Wigan want him back and play, even if it's League One. I'd prefer him to go to the championship if possible. But even if it's League One, just he needs to play for me. Well, uh, ju- judging by football manager, he'll do a decent job in the championship. Yeah, he, re- he smashed four past you, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, uh, Patrick Bamford's gone on a hot streak at the back end of my lead season and now has like 21 Premier League goals by that time. <laughs> uh, the other new deal, Pascal Strike, which I still don't know if it's Strike or Strike. Uh Strike sounds better. Yeah. Striker. Yeah. Um, new deal, summer 2024. Obviously, he has definitely earned it. I love the way that... The good thing with him is he's done it to, he's done it to me twice. Before his last new contract, it was for the chopping block for me. Like, he won't stand in out in 23s. He was struggling to even stay in that side. And then the second half of that season, he was brilliant and got a new deal. And then he played a little bit of first-team football, didn't do much. Came towards the end of the season... Stepped up a mile, played in the first team, looked great. And now he's just carried on stepping up. Yeah. Uh, now I'm absolutely fine with him being the backup to Phillips. I've, we've actually got to a stage where I'm starting to... I can't believe that we've got to a stage where I'm happy that we haven't signed an, an out-and-out backup to Phillips. Because for a long time I thought we needed it. and I'm perfectly happy with Stroke doing it. Yeah. It's it's nice to have these options, you know. Obviously, he was he was thrown in on the opening day against Liverpool at centre back and had a nervy first ten minutes or so. But yeah, his appearances since then have been fine. You know, there was the obviously there was the the challenge at Villa with the yellow card, and it it was no surprise to anyone that he got subbed after eighteen minutes or whatever it was. You know, it's a very Bielsa move to make. Um. But yeah, you know, he's. I, I think the thing, the same of him as I do with Pervader, it's hard to believe that they were not more involved, even just coming off the bench last season, than than they have been now. Yeah, because neither of them were truly involved until the last, the last sort of five games. Yeah. I know Sprout played a couple, but they really were held back for quite a while. Like, even Pervader... Pervader was straight on the bench, like, as soon as we signed him, but then he dropped away, didn't he, before we came back? Yeah, it's it's one of the... It's always one of the things I find funny about Bielsa, because in as much as... He certainly talks as if he trusts the under-23s and the younger players, but, but I would still like to see them get... You know, especially when you, you're in front in games and, you, and you're in a comfortable position... 
to see those players get 15, 20 minutes here and there, just, just to, just to get them involved a bit more as opposed to like, you know, getting to Liverpool and then going, Oh God, we've only got one centre back. What do we do? Put Pascal strike there. Yeah. I think it's a weird thing. It's, it's the way his philosophy goes with the word trust. I believe that he absolutely trusts them, but because he will not give minutes for the sake of minutes, like the difference is like, I'm sure, I mean, there's a million differences between us and Marcelo Bielsa, mostly that he's one of the greatest men alive and we're us. <laughs> but yeah. a lot of those championship games where we were, say we were 3-0 up with 15 minutes left, my instinct would be, right, the two least experienced players on this bench are going on. Yeah, Robbie Gotts might have made his debut a bit earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie Gotts would have been on uh, a lot earlier, things like that, and Bielsa doesn't do that. Which, you know, fair enough, I'm compl- whatever he says, I'm mm. fine with. But uh, it does mean that sometimes you do get thrown in at the deep end. Like, I am sure there's going to be one day, like the rate he's going in the 23s, Jack Jenkins is really starting to stand out. And I think that he won't play and won't play and won't play, and then we'll just start <laughs> out, out of nowhere. But uh, I, I would actually, uh, he's another one that I wouldn't mind seeing going out on loan, but I could also see him playing in the third round of the FA Cup. Yeah. Um, yeah, just I, I, I find it such a funny thing that, yeah, there is just this implicit level of trust he has in them whilst also being completely pragmatic about the whole thing. I'm just like, no, no, I'm managing this game. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is how it works. But no, he's been a, as I say, seeing Strike step up to the level he has. It's just one of them where, because he was one of the one of the punts that Orta had that first summer, wasn't he? Yeah, he was one of the ones that came in with like Diaz and, and everyone, wasn't he? Temenushkov and... Yeah, Temenushkov and... Uh, no, Mahika was later. Who am I thinking of? Because uh, U- Usama Siddiqui... Ooh... Was That's the one I forgot about. Yeah. <laughs> Wasim Boy is still here. Yeah, Wasim Boy, who... Stinking up the with, joint. On the beach with Diego Llorente. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, he, he is one of the ones that's come off. Like, there was actually, you know, obviously a lot of those ones didn't come off, but there's some that you could argue did. Like, in a way, I'd argue that Apple Halmer did come off. Because of how little we paid, we made a profit, and he played a couple of games when he were needed. Yeah, you know, like so it was a bit iffy. But Strauch has found a way to become one of the best ones of us, pretty much unknowns that we've signed. Oh bloody yeah! Sorry, I've I've got the list up here of um, this is from the seventeen eighteen season. Is is, is that Arta's first one where we went right? I'm going to read you this list of players. This is everyone that came in in the summer. Right. Magic Gomez. Oh, Magic Gomez, who I believe won Player of the Month uh, for the start of this season because he's had a great start with uh, Donny Rovers. Yeah. Uh, Pontus, uh, Mateus Click, Hadi Sacco, Felix Viedvald, Vernon Ooh, there, There's a bad one. <laughs> Viedvald. Uh, Anita was worse because he was probably more expensive with all his wages yeah uh, Caleb Ekeban Samu Saiz uh, well Saiz was brilliant on his day and in a way I can't really slag Ekeban too much because he's scoring goals in Europa League now and being linked with 10 million pound moves all over the shop I feel like Bielsa would have actually quite liked Ekeban yeah he's, he's not a finisher but very hard working was his passing good enough because his yeah. work rate and his pace, and I'd probably say his hold-up play as well, were all pretty decent. Yeah. It was his technical side that just wasn't there. And you get uh, Alioski, Wasim Boy, J. Roy Grot, Andy Lonigan, Adrian Balboa. Adrian ba- How did we forget Adrian? <laughs> uh, Pavel Chabitsky. Hugo I forgot, Diaz. He ex- forgot he existed. Uh, someone's still there is uh, Bryce Hazana came in from Crystal Palace. Well, considering he was just a free release, basically a released player. Yeah. Even though he's never, he hasn't played first team. I think he's been, he's looked pretty decent. 
Alejandro Machuca, Oriol Ray, Usama Siddiqui, Kuntem Anoshkov, and then Edmondson signed in November. Yeah. Well, the yeah, Edmondson but- one was uh, him basically turning down senior terms at York, wasn't it? Yeah, and then in January, that's when I won't go through all the ones from January. Uh, it was that the, first look that were the important ones. Yeah, the, of the younger ones that came in in January, you had Halmer, Oli, uh, Oliver Sarkic, Sam Dolby, Stroik signed in January, and Jordan Stevens. That was a that's a better group. Yeah, I mean, ignore that Josuke Deguchi, Lawrence DeBock also turned up then, but yeah. I, I don't blame him for the Gucci. I think that just all went wrong all over the place. Yeah. There was logic to that. The Bok, I'll blame everyone involved. <laughs> He's one yeah. of the worst players I've ever seen. <laughs> um yeah, that was that was sort of madness when because I I mean they even explained to her, it was like, no, we need a lot of under twenty three players. The squad isn't there. Yeah, they said we don't but, have any since Chilino shut everything. <laughs> yeah, it was mostly just the under 18s playing three times a week at that point. Yeah. yeah. So although a lot of them were rubbish, it did work. It hasn't worked out too badly. Uh obviously we are I believe we're going to be back on Friday, aren't we? Yes. Yeah, because uh, we don't know what time. It could be an early one like this, which, you know, is not ideal, but it's it's more my fault. I'm working sort of 2pm till 11pm every day this week. Except what, for Friday. Well, your employers. Yeah. Except except for Friday when I am about, but KC might be working late that day. So, But it will be about at some point, so it might be early like this. Hopefully it'll be in the evening and we'll preview the Everton game and talk about that. The That's only, other, the only other thing to talk about there, today... There is a big bit of news here. I thought you were going to skip past it then. Hmm. I thought you were going to skip past the hope that we've all been given. Well, would that be this hope? It is. Yeah. Um, this totally thought through plan that the government have come out with. Yeah. It, I'm just a bit, I'm, I'm not going to spend time slagging off Boris Johnson because it's easy and it's been done by people better than me. Uh, but this is to me, I'm just taking it on face value of sport. It's a glimmer of hope because God, God, I miss going to games. And even though the, the current plans means I might not be able to go anyway, it's just nice to see a bit of potential progress. Uh, obviously, the specifics of it don't seem to be that hopeful for round here. Uh, round here leads because I live near, near enough by. Uh, we're probably going to be in tier three when this comes out, when we come out, because we were about to go into tier three when we went in. So think, looks, did we get to tier three for a few days? No, they didn't bother because they were going to go into tier three on the, I think it was like on the Monday, but then they decided full lockdown from Thursday. Yeah. So they said, well, for those three days, we might as well let you have a pint for three days before we go in. Because of course, luckily viruses just go, oh, well, if, you've, if you're going to go into lockdown in three days, I won't infect you. It's fine. <laughs> um, But yeah, this, the, the brief thing is if you're in tier three, you're allowed no one in tier two, you're allowed 2000 and in tier one, you're allowed 4,000. Now I'm, I I am not going to protect. This is one of the times where I haven't done my research, but the numbers seem odd because surely if you're in, I'll use the biggest league ground, Old Trafford, that holds like 76,000. Surely you could have, how can they have 4,000, but does that mean Accrington can, ha- can, can have a full house? Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem... Surely it shouldn't be numbers of people. It should be percentage. Yeah. Um, yeah, it seemed a strange way to do it. Because even just in the Premier League, you got Manchester United where that's well under 10%, but for Burnley, that's just short of a quarter of their capacity. Yeah, it just Wait. seems like an odd way of doing it. Yeah. Um, but obviously, yeah, fantastic news that there is some chance of us possibly seeing Leeds this season. And I, by saying that, I mean, if you're a season ticket holder. Yeah, um, well, again, uh, this is our mate, Alex Benison. Uh They put forward plans for 27,500 and then got told the figure is for everyone. So apparently it is just 4,000 limit. 
seems really weird. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. I can't wait to see 4,000 fans spread out across Old Trafford. I think it'll look really funny. Like, at first, we'll be, we'll be zero. But if we can get back to Tier 2 and get 2,000 in, how many season ticket holders do we have now? Like, 25? Yeah. So you'll be able to go to 1 in 12 if you've got a season ticket holder. Yeah. You've got about... Have we got about 12 home games left? It won't be far off. So I'm thinking that it's basically giving me hope that if things start getting better, I might be able to get to two. Yeah. This season. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I can't. Other than the club could maybe communicate a bit better what's happening with people who've got tickets. I can't, you know, I can't blame the club or anything for this. This is very much up in the air. Uh but I'm just glad to see potential of going back because I'm dying to go. Uh, I must have it. Like there are people who suffering who have suffered in lockdown way worse than me. But the ability to have a bit of hope of going to a game and to be able to go out and then hopefully to be able to start going out and playing golf again, those two things helped massively for me. So I'm hoping to get those back. At least golf is back or will be back. Yeah. We, we have, have we we have that, and then we can be annoyed by how we play. Yeah, if we're coming back on the third, I'll need to try and book something like for that day. Yeah. Well, no, I think I'm working that day for fourth then. Um, but no, it, it's just good to see a bit of progress, even if it does appear to not be the best thought out progress in the world. Because uh, the, the other thing is as well is then trying to manage it, because obviously it would be to. Obviously, it's going to be for season ticket holders only. This, but just just to carry on the the joke, if you're a Man United fan who's in a who's in tier one somewhere down south, but they're only in tier two, could you know what you know what's the deal going to be like yeah. for fans traveling from outside that yeah, area? And can you travel and stuff? I, as I said, there might be something in there for that. This isn't one where I can. I can't slag him as much on this because on this one I haven't done the research, so I don't know what they've said about things like that. Because now I'm just going to lump you in and say you're Wakefield now, so... Yeah, I am not Wakefield. You are, mate. No, I have a Wakefield postcode. Leeds City Council. I am in Leeds. When Leeds goes into lockdown, I have to. <laughs> you, live, you live a bit too close to that river in Castleford for my liking. Yeah. I, I live very, very close to that river, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can see it if I go like that. Um, <laughs> but no, um, I would really hope that this can come back. I think that a lot of the places down south are liable to be in first cause, just because the rates are lower. But one thing is, they're saying all these plans. I think that that's the plan for over Christmas because I reckon we're back in lockdown in January. Just It's going to get spread around at Christmas. It just is. Like... People, aren't, yeah. a lot of people aren't that careful now. They're going to be less careful at Christmas. I mean, that, that was my only hope was that, and I'm going to I'm going to reference this now. If if you were one of those people on our leads, aren't we on Facebook who were spouting your, and I'm just going to call it what it is, scientific bollocks <laughs> about about the new vaccine, then uh, listen. I know you don't believe in science or the government <laughs> or seemingly anything reasonable, <laughs> but just pretend so we can go back to Ellen Road. Just pretend. <laughs> it's fine. Bill Gates is not trying to control you. The man, <laughs> the man retired and he's still working this hard. I don't think he wants to rule the world as well. Man's got a lot going on. <laughs> now, um, as I said, the, the vaccine thing gives hope just because if that is as successful as it looks like it might be it means that at the very least people who aren't high risk should be able to get back close to normal in the next six seven months oh, Jack, wake up mm. yeah wake up sheeple uh, <laughs> yeah KC, KC they're going off on one which but you know I'm sorry if you I don't believe in vaccines, I you don't believe in hate anti-vaxxers. It yeah. is one of my <laughs> biggest bugbears at the moment. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it's because it's out there a lot, so you're seeing a lot of it. Yeah. I just didn't expect to see it when someone makes the innocuous comment of, 
oh, the vaccine's here, so we might be able to get back to Ellen Road soon. And I didn't think that would turn into the black hole that it did. It's the internet. If, at the minute, it's that. Normally, it's someone in the comments mentioning Hitler. <laughs> it's just, that's just how the internet works, unfortunately. Or defending Kiko Casilla, one of them. Uh, there is one thing with Kiko Casilla. There might be people who defend him on all the racism stuff, but no one's defending his ability as a goalkeeper. <laughs> Everyone agrees is useless. Uh, and I reckon 50 minutes, that's decent enough. Uh, do we have anything else that we haven't talked about? News wise, about? I think we've covered everything, haven't we? Yeah, I think that's everything. Cool. Well, in that case, we'll be back on Friday to do this live. Obviously, this will go up on podcast feeds and everything, which is where more, uh, which normally I'd say is where most people see it. But I do want to say thank you to you all because the first live podcast we did. It's done like near enough a couple of thousand views video wise, which is ten times what I expected. Uh, oh yeah. I, I could have fully seen this just getting like fifteen. No, I, I thought that the first one I thought the first one would probably get a couple of hundred, but that's about it. Uh but it's done a lot better than we expected. Uh you'll never know. We keep watching and you might see a shilling manscaped and stuff soon. <laughs> Told you, I want that Coca-Cola. Yeah, Coca-Cola sponsorship. But yeah, uh, that'll do us for episode 89 at Mighty White's podcast. We will see you on Friday if you're able to be around live. One thing I need to do, because I forgot last time, is uh, this is brought to you by the Medicine Room Studios, which is in Alton Bywater. Uh, it's great for recording albums and podcast, anything that you want to do. Obviously, at the minute, the reason I forgot is at the minute you can't really do much because you can't really go in and have sessions and stuff. But long term, he can do some editing for you, though. Yeah, if you've got audio stuff, you can send it over to him and stuff. Uh, Medicine Room Studios on Facebook and medicineroomstudios.com. It's run by our mate Dom. He is brilliant at what he does. Uh, a couple of bands he's been working with that were, you know, people never heard of. They're all playing, booked for festivals and stuff in the summer now. So it does seem to be working well. He's, a- he's actually stood outside my window now producing this. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, so the if you've noticed that the audio quality of this isn't as good as it used to be, it's because we're not in his studio anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's now over. It's now well, I was going to say over Skype. This one isn't even Skype. I'm I'm just in the grey void. Yeah, uh, the stuff that we write goes up on through it altogether. Uh, SB Nations Legion United site, which is through it altogether. It's on Twitter at thru. It's all lufc, and we're on Twitter at Mighty White's Pod. Uh, that'll do us. I've been Jack. See ya. I've been Casey. Have a good one. Oh, in a bit. Mm-hmm.